0: like we're live so good morning good afternoon and good evening to everybody listening wherever and whenever this podcast finds you thanks for tuning in and welcome to the bitcoin weekly wrap up for august 30th 2019 um, this week's weekly roundup is sponsored by etoro uh, a trusted smart trading platform that is over 12 years old and conducts over one trillion dollars in, in trading annually they are Offer innovative tools and advanced charting features to help you be the best trader you can be. U.S. customers can now trade the most popular crypto assets with transparent low fees. And if you're new to trading, while you are learning, you can practice different strategies with their virtual trading tool, letting you use virtual money to test and see how your strategies would react in an actual real trading environment. And you could also connect with 11 million other traders where you can discuss trading charting and strategies and right now if you go to did you know you'll see the link and if you're watching in youtube right now you will see the link down in um in the in the section below uh if you are listening just go to did know uh and you will find that link as well uh in the website and if you go to that link did you know that's et oro and you use the link that's there you'll be doing two things one you'll be helping you know me uh, because it'll let them know that you're a listener that you uh, heard the offer and you want to support the podcast and and thank our sponsors and go there and do all that and by using that link that helps them know that you're actually coming through me but you will also get fifty dollars. For free, subject to ter- some terms and conditions, you have to uh, deposit a certain amount uh, to buy and trade and, and sell Bitcoin. And if you head over, once again, to com slash E-T-O-R-O, or go down on the link if you're in YouTube, and you can sign up today. So uh, there was a lot of interesting stories this week, uh, including price tips, back news, um, some kind of interesting AML Um, uh, individuals getting kind of wrapped up and the wild west days of Bitcoin seem to be uh, getting pushed more and more to the fringes. Uh, And also mostly the climate uh, right case uh, wrapped, not wrapped up, uh, but there was significant developments and it's all but wrapped up, I would say. Uh, But before we go into that, the first story, um, or before we actually go into the first story, I want to remind people as well that nothing I say should be construed as financial advice or any other form of advice, all the information that I convey on this podcast is, or so various social media platforms is for educational purposes only. So let's start with probably what's on a lot of people's mind, minds, the recent dip in price. Uh, Bitcoin had been holding above 10,000 uh, for the past few weeks, but uh, recently uh, you know, in the last couple of days, depending on when you listen or watch this, uh, dropped about $600, in about 30 minutes uh and as of recording right now I believe it's around 94 to 9500. Um I've seen some people calling for 9000 uh but if that's breached could go down to the low 8000s. So, you know, there's there's uh you know it is what it is. You know, we are all living in this market and there's money to be made on on both ends of the trades as they say and if you're going to be doing that, of course go to didyouknowcrypto.com/etoro um, another interesting development as well was backed. Uh, if you remember, about a year ago, they announced, and this is backed is a company that is owned by the um, same company that owns the New York Stock Stock Exchange. Um, ICE is the company. And they announced about a year ago that they were going to start offering uh, these different products. They finally uh, announced that they're going to be accepting storage of people's Bitcoin uh, coming up next, would that be next week? I believe so, next week, September 6th. Uh, in anticipation of on the 23rd, the Bitcoin daily monthly futures offerings are going to be um, going live there. So uh, it's been, a you know, like I said, about a year since they first announced these plans uh, and have now basically accomplished all the regulatory hurdles that they needed to get through to offer you know these uh, these products. And it's important to remember that unlike the uh, CME futures that have been ongoing and the CBOE that that had been um, offered in, in 2017, uh, 2017, 2018, those uh, were settled in cash. And by that I mean if you, wanted to buy Bitcoin futures with them, the CME, CBOE futures, you would take US dollars, you would buy the futures, it would be based on you know the Bitcoin market, but whether you lost or won out on that trade, uh, you would either be losing or getting paid out in US dollars. Uh, with back, it's actually settled in Bitcoin and you buy the futures uh, with Bitcoin, it's locked up, and if things go well, you're paid out in Bitcoin as well. So it's it's a it's a much different environment, and it's it's uh, going to be very interesting. It's it's very cool that they've been able to kind of come up with this custodial solution uh, where they're able to take you know people's Bitcoins and and hold them in a in a actual true custodial fashion. Um, what else? Oh, Binance announced this week that they're going to be offering a crypto lending program with a 14-day maturity term, uh, with BNB, uh, their native exchange token earning 15%, Tether would earn 10% and ETC, uh, earning 7%. And it's very well possible that I'm too financially, uh, financially illiterate in, you know, how these vehicles work, um, to, to maybe I'm just not getting it. That's, that's quite possible. I'm not an expert in, in any of this kind of stuff. I'm just a person who is just, you know, I'm learning just like everybody else. But, um, and also I recognize that these are supposedly used for, you know, margin by margin traders who can be charged up to like, I think they were saying like up to 109% interest, um, for their trades. But I don't see how this is sustainable to be offering 15% with only a 14 day maturity term. Um, uh, you know bitconnect you know everybody was calling it you know an obvious Ponzi scam where they were offering like it was like two percent daily uh it, you know and i mean really two percent daily i don't know wouldn't be the same so this is basically like if you're you're basically offering almost like one percent daily non-compounded um it, I, I may be wrong like i said but these you know, when, when you see like returns that are beyond fantastic, right? Uh it, if things seem too good to be true, you should probably exercise extreme caution um in my opinion. It reminds me of oh goodness, I can't remember the name of the bank. I was working overseas and and some of the people that that we worked with were were from Colombia and I can't remember the name of the bank. Anyways, and they kept on telling me about oh this is great. They offer they double your money in like ninety days or six months or something like that. I can't remember if it was like three months or six months. Basically, if you gave them a thousand dollars, they'd lock it up um, and they would you couldn't touch it. And in three months or six months, whatever it was, they would um, they they double it. They would give you two thousand dollars, and I was I was telling them I was like, this is this seems very fishy. Like they've just, unless they discovered some sort of financial algorithm magic that no other bank is, because any other bank in the world, and this was about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, they're offering at best, you know, like 2% on a one year uh, CD, maybe upwards of 3%. No, probably not at that time. Uh, Like they've somehow found out how to like double your money, give you a hundred percent return on your, like that's absolutely ridiculous and they would tell me you know like, oh you know half a half know it's it's um it's all about it's just uh, the it's that's just propaganda from the government cuz the government hates them, right and you know it turns out it it was that, exactly that it was a ponzi i actually thought about doing it cuz it was like as long if you can get in on a ponzi um before it crashes you can actually make money the problem is timing it and if it's locked up for i think and that seems more right that it was 6 months or a year that you know i thought like well if i throw like 20 grand on there i could double it or put even more but i was like yeah, it's just not worth it so i never did it plus you'd have to like fly down to panama and you'd have to wire money to a panamanian bank and then walk across the street to this bank i can't remember the name of it it's like dng or something like that anyways and and uh, anyways the, my my better common sense got the you know uh, it got the better of me and uh, thankfully so and i never tried to do that plus it just reeked of probably money laundering and that would just be a bad thing to be involved in at all uh anyways yeah eventually i think it was about a year later or so it got raided and shut down as a ponzi scheme they never you know obviously they were just doing a bernie made off type of scam there so anyways long story short uh if things seem too good to be true really just be very careful what you do um there was one other one before i go to climbing here and I'm reading this on Coindesk. It's a 25-year-old Bitcoin seller faces life sentence for unlicensed exchange. And there's another gentleman, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he just, didn't he gets get rearrested or something like that? Um, I can't remember this guy. Uh, what's his name? He was, um, I can't remember. There's another gentleman got that, that uh, he was an early Bitcoiner who got caught in a federal uh, sting with this. So, this guy was from Westwood, Los Angeles. He pled guilty to federal charges for having exchanged up to $25 million in cash and cryptocurrencies without a license and anti AML, anti money laundering program. Um, he was uh, Kunal Kara, known as Kumar or Shekel Main and Coinman. He was indicted Friday. Um, allegedly traded cash and crypto for individuals, including drug dealers, partially via his Bitcoin ATM kiosk. Uh, he, they are basically saying he, he uh, ran an unlicensed Bitcoin exchange. And, you know, if you, I mean, this is the problem with, like, the local Bitcoin stuff is that, um, sorry, scoot back here a little bit, kind of hitting the desk. Um, uh, if you, you, you like, I, I thought about it, you know, like, oh, this will be, I, I thought about doing this a while back, you know, quite a few years ago. It's like I could, you know, there's a lot of people who want to be involved Bitcoin maybe want to own you know, just like $100 of it and, you know, or $1,000 and don't necessarily want to go through all the things of going to Coinbase, signing up, taking their pictures and all this other kind of stuff and linking their bank accounts just to buy a couple hundred dollars or whatever and, and then calling it a day. Um, I was like, why don't I just buy it and sell it to them? And then when I started to look into the legal implications, this is what I ran into is that if you're trading Bitcoin for cash as a business, um you 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 can run afoul of these laws where you're specifically taking cash in exchange for bitcoin um for the purposes of you know whatever right uh charlie Shrem also got hit for this because he knew that the person was using it for illegal means um yeah some of these guys were selling it on i mean of course they were running it on on some dark markets and stuff like that because like why else would you go um I shouldn't say that, that's passing way too much judgment. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why you'd go person to person just because you want anonymity and you don't necessarily want an exchange breathing down your neck or anything like that. So um, I don't I don't mean to say that. Why else would you go and do that? But um, you're going to have a much larger um, percentage probably of people who are going to be doing that for that and for that reasons so I'm not passing judgment on that either. But just uh, it's just a more of a cautionary tale I wanted to pass along to folks um, to just, you know. Be careful. Make sure that you uh, are aware of the law, and make sure that you are aware of what you're doing is is within the law. Doesn't matter whether you agree with it or not. Uh, you're not going to do anybody any good um, in a in, you know in an eight by ten cell. And the last, but certainly certainly not least, uh, there was a very uh, interesting development in the. Um, climate state versus craig wright case if you're not aware just a quick rundown uh craig wright is a man who's claimed to be satoshi nakamoto um he is not and um you know he's been involved in in some other things and all that and uh his uh old business partner but man by the name of dave Kleiman, uh who died and um was uh, him and, you know, he made claims that, you know, possibly like him and Dave were involved in the creation of Bitcoin and all that kind of stuff. And so his brother decided to sue for what he felt was intellectual property and and money that was owed the estate since his brother had died and didn't get any of that right. Um, Judge ordered that Craig must turn over half of his Bitcoin holdings and intellectual property to the estate of Dave, Dave Kleiman, which is his brother, Ira, who's been um, um, pursuing the case. Um, and the ruling applies to all the holdings and IP from before 2014. So anything prior to that. So Craig has claimed that he holds all these Satoshi coins. I don't believe that in the least. And I don't think he actually probably has anything at all. And um, this was just kind of a... A, uh, him trying to find a silver lining in his lie of claiming to be Satoshi uh, that, you know, he got sued for it. At the end of the day, if you have nothing, you can't turn over half of anything, right? Uh, but also trying to use this as a way to have a, law, a court hopefully say that you are Satoshi, which is what they've been trying to do, even though the court has repeatedly said and said so in this ruling, that they're not making a ruling on whether Craig is Satoshi Nakamoto or not. They're just making a ruling based on, uh, you know, the the estate's right to any business that they engaged in. Yeah. Um, the holdings are, are estimated around ten billion, and you know, basically, it, it's it's too convoluted of a case to go through really. But um, the case is technically not over yet. Um, there's still some procedures that need to be gone through, collection, um, how they're going to do this, how they're going to make sure that all the um, that all of what's owed the estate, you know, is counted up. It's been very hazy. They've just basically done this really awkward way of like well just whatever hasn't you know whatever hasn't moved during that time that was mined um with a certain signature on it which is the way that they went about it was basically based on another um potoshi i can't remember the exact article but there's a gentleman who analyzed a bunch of the uh data of miners early miners in bitcoin and they found these patterns that they believe it's not proven but believe this could this is an indicator of the satoshi mind ones and basically that's what craig and his folks came up with they just pretty much mirrored that exact same work that somebody had done years ago um so this was basically a sanction and contempt hearing and the judge was quite um was was quite harsh on them um where was the was the quote i in reference to Craig Wright, the judge wrote, he has engaged in a willful and bad faith pattern of obstructive behavior, including submitting incomplete or deceptive pleadings, filing a false declaration, knowingly producing a fraudulent trust document and giving a uh, perjury, well, here run into me not knowing certain words. I was going to say perjurious testimony, but basically accusing accusing him of perjury in his testimony at the evidentiary hearing. Um, he found that Dr. Wright alone is fully responsible for any evasion, incomplete or false representations to the court, or noncompliance with the court orders. Um, basically, the judge ripped him a new one and said that uh, he didn't believe any of the stuff that Craig was trying to say was um, was true. And also not only not true, but also done so willingly, willfully, and knowingly that it was false and fake. There's a lot of different stuff that was involved in this. Um, Obvious forgeries of backdated um, trust documents that were bought um, off the shelf. You know, uh, the Tulip Trust was basically, it seemed like, at least from what was submitted, I want to be very careful on what I say because there's certain individuals that are very litigious. Um, But it seems like the judge would agree that... That these documents that were supposedly signed when Dave was still alive, this Bitcoin is put into trust, um, was purchased, you know, in 2014 or whatever, years later, uh, after Dave had already died and then backdated to make it look like. It's very, I mean, like to really go through the whole ordeal and so much of it is obfuscated of this. I mean, I have to hand it to him. It is a beautifully crafted con. I mean, there's so many moving parts. There's so much stuff. Like, this is not just somebody coming out of the woodwork and just saying, I'm Satoshi Nakamoto, putting up a few bad emails and, and calling it a day. Like, there's been a lot of work put into this. Um, during the court hearing, there was the supposed bit message um, was used uh, to for some... Conversations that Craig was putting up forward between him and Dave that showed that him and Dave were involved in the creation of Bitcoin, and um, it seemed like, uh, well, it was basically pretty much proven in court not to be true. The creator of Bitmessage was saying that the version that the messages, the version of the software that the messages were um, um, showing were you know from a version that was not even released yet and uh it was was a very interesting defense of of a lot like that and other forged documents so well maybe a hacker you know stole the you know the uh the later version that hadn't been released and that's how craig was able to get it and 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 uh well this document wasn't you know this document or or this or that was 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 a forgery but it wasn't done by him even though the only person that benefited from it was him and that maybe a hacker hacked in and did it to him, which would make no sense. Like this is the, the digital version of the dog ate my homework, right? It's, it's very goofy. So anyways, it, it was uh, really, you know, uh, those of us who, which is the majority of this community who have recognized who Craig is and, and what he represents and, and, just using basic common sense and Occam's razor for any of this, have known that this is, uh, you know, the the lady doth protest too much um, for most of his, uh, for all of his claims. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, He said three years to do the simplest of of things, uh, moving coins. He promised in a blog post that he would do that. And not only was moving coins uh necessary but it was just the most base level of proof and that extraordinary proof beyond that was needed beyond just moving coins because moving coins as csw supporters have pointed out only proves that you have the keys now which is absolutely true it doesn't actually prove that you we're Satoshi, it just proves that you have Satoshi's keys now. But it's a very important step, and that is a first step. The, then you bring in all the other evidence to show it. But if, like, the very basic thing you have to do move key, move coins, move a little bit out, that's it. And, um, you know, ever since then, he made that promise he was going to do it, didn't do it. And then, years and years, you know, throughout the years, just said, well, I don't have to do that if I don't want to. It's a very childlike response. It's something I recognize very much with my own children. Uh, that's their kind of mental thinking. Well, I don't have to do it. I don't have to prove anything to you. That's, that's it's ridiculous. So um, anyways, that's that's my, my thoughts. I think most of you would agree. Uh, I don't think there's too many BSV supporters that would be listening to me anyways, as I'm pretty outspoken with my disagreements and um, belief that he is absolutely not and in no way could ever be um, Satoshi Nakamoto. So... think that's all that i have for today's weekly wrap-up let's just check and see if there's any last minute things that were showing up um no no mostly um a lot of fluff i'm seeing now I, i actually so un official today said crypto makes policing child trafficking exceptionally difficult um I had a friend that actually like jokingly messaged me and was going, you know, uh, giving me that, oh, you know, jokingly, like, oh, well, you you know, it's, it was actually about child trafficking. How do you like supporting something that makes you know, child trafficking actually easier or whatever? And it was just a ridiculous thing. He was joking about it, of course. But this was a 2013 thing, right? Terrorism, drug dealers, dark markets, and all the stuff associated with that. That was a 2013, 2014, really more 2013 kind of narrative that was going on. Uh that was absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that all this stuff has existed before, ninety-nine point nine percent of it after you know, right now and a hundred percent of it prior to two thousand eight were done in cash or whatever local currency commodity that they were using diamonds, drugs, whatever were used. So can it be used for these things? Absolutely. But these things already exist. It's just like you're grafting on a new thing where cash was you know, making X happen now, Bitcoin can also make X happen, right? If it makes if, if your argument is that it makes Bitcoin bad, it also makes the cash bad, right? But you know one must uh, control the narratives. And um, I want to keep this one shorter. Last time I went like 40 minutes so I am not uh, I am not going to do that to you guys today. And uh, we're going to keep this short, about 20 minutes. I'm going to aim for between 10 and 20 minutes, hopefully about 15. So uh, before I go, I want to thank all of you guys for, for watching, if you're on YouTube, and for listening, if you're listening on the podcast. And if you guys could, if you're on YouTube, subscribe um, to the podcast and do a little notification Uh, If you click the the little bell there, it'll let you know whenever we go live, whenever I upload a new video. If you're listening, uh, if you can uh, like and uh, leave a written review on iTunes. If you can share the podcast, and also now that's live, you can go to supportmypodcast.com. You can go there. There's different ways to support. You know. Amazon, um, uh, iTunes, all this other kind of stuff. But if you click the listener, supporter, discounts section, a little pop-ups going to come up. It's just going to ask for your name, your email. You go on an email list that I hold. And all I do with that is just let you know when a new episode's coming up. Um, if I need, you know, if I, if, I, if I reach out to the audience and I ask for, hey, what things do you want to know about? You know, is there any other, If there is there guests you want me to bring back? Things like that. I don't sell it. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be you know signing you up for MLM or anything like that. I don't sell my list, I don't do anything like that. It's it would destroy a person's brand if you were doing something like that. And brand is what a podcast and everything is built on. I would never do that. You get discounts on things like Tracer Bitcoin wallets, cold card Bitcoin wallets, keep key Bitcoin wallets, Bitcoin Tax software, Bitcoin.tax, you get a promo for that. Um, mushroom coffee, Um, you can get a discount on that. I'm going to be getting a lot more uh, different health products and things that I use. Uh, There's also uh, Bitcoin and non-Bitcoin art, uh, Bitcoin apparel companies, um, uh, uh, like all things Decentral and a bunch of other ones. And I am constantly adding more. Like I I just added two more this week, which was a cold card and Bitcoin.tax. I'm going to be getting much more. Those are absolutely free. There's no like sign up for $5 a month or anything like that. All I just wanted is you just sign up for the um, the email list, which I don't sell. I don't do anything with other than just keep in contact with you guys. Or if I ever, you know, there's ever deep platforming, email lists are really the best way to kind of let you know, like, hey, I'm going to here or whatever. Here's how you can find the podcast from now on. So I think it's really important that I start developing that list of my listeners. And in exchange for trusting me with your contact information and reading my emails that I send out on occasion. You get these free promos for a lot of really cool stuff. So um, head over to supportmypodcast.com and sign up today. And once again, thank you so much for listening, for watching and have a great time. Have a great day and I'll talk to you soon. Oh, now you get to see me try to figure out how to do a uh, stream.